0: fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Adner. Coon is the fullback with the first and goal. Coon gets the ball. Final try and it's ready. for the touchdown. Back. What a great second ever. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode number 23. We're going to call this the July 4th Independence Day edition. Of the Fantasy Fullback Dive, brought to you by the good people at the Road Street Journal. Of course, the Fantasy Fullback Dive is the podcast that will pave your way, not your path, pave your way to the 2018 Fantasy Football title against all your friends, all your enemies, all your co-workers, all the random idiots that you met online. The point is, you're going to be the guy hoisting the title. We're going to pave the way for that. So, uh, in advance, you're welcome. Uh, I, of course, am... Your host, Not the Truth Jones, with me as always, the Wolf of Roto Street himself. If you like what you hear on this episode, and you want a little bit of extra, a little something something, visit theffbdpod.com/slash-twenty-three. Pod, That's slash twenty-three for show notes, bonus content, and so much more. Wolf, how you doing on this stiflingly hot July third? Actually, um, how you uh, doing over there? You captured it pretty well. Stifling hot is
1: the exact word I would use. I'm melting right now. My basement's unbelievable. So nice and cold and it's great, but I don't get good Wi-Fi down there. So recording-wise, I had to come up and, my
0: God, I feel like I'm going to melt into a puddle before the end of this episode. It's Uh, horrendous. But how are you? I'm in a really very similar boat. I was actually, as I was trudging my way up the stairs because the upstairs of my house is substantially warmer than uh, the downstairs or the basement. And I was right. think, thinking to myself, gosh, if I could do this in the basement, this would be a breeze. But I just can't vouch for the Internet in the basement. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really roughing it up here. And, you know, I we're hope both the people enjoy it because, you know, those of you that are going to be watching videos, we are warriors. Uh, they're going to be seeing uh, how sweaty we are probably by the end of this. And it's not going to be oh, pretty. Disgusting. But we're still putting the product out there. Um, you got any plans for the fourth?
1: I, so I have a big family cookout every year We have a big uh, family pool volleyball game You mm. know, meet the Falkers type of style ben, ben Stiller just laying it down into people's faces That's the type of uh, status you're going to get it's, it's fantastic, it's bitter rivalry uh, We've got the old guys versus the young guys At this point, I guess we're the old guys I going to you know, say, so. are
0: you the old guys?
1: No, I, I'm apparently a young guy, but still, it, compared to the the rest of the field, a young guy. But no spring chicken anymore. These legs don't get get up there quite as much as they used to on the pool volleyball net. Still, though, they, they've never beat us. Uh, it's a pretty historic tradition, so that, that's always fantastic. Uh, obviously, some fireworks at the end of the night. What about the family time? What do you got going on there?
0: Well, there's going to be fireworks and so on. Although it's brutally hot, and I've heard there it might there might even be rain. Uh, hopefully, there won't be. Uh, My youngest is probably a little too young to stay out all night for the fireworks, so probably we're going to go catch some stuff uh, around the Amherst area, and then me Mm -hmm. and the little guy are going to go home, and my wife and daughter will probably hang out, watch the fireworks. But we do have the tradition during the day, my uh, my daughter and I always watch the hot dog eating contest When that comes on TV. And so we will be watching Mm. that together. Uh, you know, that's become nice little tradition. We've probably done that five years in a row, which given the fact that she's not even eight yet, that's actually a pretty solid,
1: solid tradition.
0: Yeah. She's very excited about it. We've been talking. She said she wanted us to see how many we could each eat. in uh, what is it? 12 minutes, Uh, something like that. Well, how many, how many hot dogs and buns do you think you could eat in say 12 minutes? Oh, man, you that's had to. Really I like your life. Yeah, I mean, you had to. Your life depended on it. You prepared for like, you know, a couple of days. You made sure you were really hungry. You have water that you can drink and you could dip the buns in, which is that's the preferred method that these guys use. How many do you think you could eat if you had to? In t- a 12 minute span, I yeah. think the most I could do is like four or
1: five. That's a short time. The way they friggin' house those things like blows my mind. It's yeah, absolutely
0: it's, disgusting. It's a short time. I think I could eat more than four or five, but I, I could. What do you put your number at, at? Uh, if I had to, if my life depended on it, uh, I'll bet like seven or eight, maybe. No shit. More <laughs> than like a hot dog a minute, essentially. That's is what not you're more saying. than like, a, a hot dog a minute. No, I said no, 12 well, minutes. Every two minutes. I meant to say. Every oh two yeah, definitely. I, I could probably eat, like yeah, definitely. I think I could probably oh, do that. That's horrible. I mean, Mitchell Wren's could probably eat like forty-five. I know that guy's an absolute savage and he wants to come on soon. So I'm going to ask him that question when he comes on to break the ice because it's been a while since we've had him on the show. Anyway, uh, let's talk a little bit about the episode today. uh, Now that you guys know uh, the intimate details of our lives and how many hot dogs (laughs) we think we could put down, Um, you know, as you heard, you know, when we talk earlier and hopefully you're you're liking the pregame, uh, you know, ad of the Wolf talking up our gigantic phone book size coaching carousel. Document. I mean, I don't, This is like uh, you know when the Kennedy assassination stuff got declassified recently. This this mm. is just like that, except it's not <laughs> anything like that at all, and it's not classified. You can get this stuff if you you know join the Wolfpack, or if you just go to rotorsstreetjournal dot com slash coaches. You are going to get a real treat. Um, so anyway, we did part one of the coaching carousel last week, and uh, this is part two of the preview show. If you missed. Number one, you got to visit ffbdpod.com slash 22. Don't get it confused with slash 23, which is going to be telling you all about this gem that we're putting out today. To check that out, so don't miss, there's a lot of can't miss stuff where we rapid fire and broke down all the new head coaches, uh, amongst them Matt Nagy, Pat Shermer, Frank Reich of the 35 to 3 Oilers Bills comeback in 1991 or two. I don't remember which. And of course, John Gruden, uh, and uh, of course uh, Todd Haley also, who's been a source of some contention on the podcast between the Wolf and I the last couple weeks. Um, mm-hmm. We wrap the carousel up with the final four new play callers of importance, or as the Wolf deems of importance, but I trust him. Uh, the Vikings offensive coordinator, John DeFilippo, and I never know if I'm pronouncing that right, but if, if you know... I think know it's DeFilippo. Was, DeFilippo. I would DeFilippo. Say. Sorry, John. Could um, be way off. I have no idea, though. That's my guess. Those. I mean, either one of those is a feasible answer. Uh, <laughs> of course, the Titans offensive Offensive coordinator Matt Lefleur. Uh, Fleur meaning flower in French, of course. So, uh, mm, you yes. know, he's a pretty classy one. And uh, uh, Panthers offensive coordinator Norv Turner, who has been around the block uh, more than a few times. And Cardinals offensive coordinator Mike McCoy, of course. Uh, tonight's only a preview, of course. We're only going to go over one player impacted by the new coach. Not a whole team thing, but if you want to see it all, and of course you want to see it all because you're not a moron, uh, go to roadstreetjournal.com slash coaches. This is all there for you to consume. Uh, thanks to my co-host, The Wolf. Wolf, great job on this, by the way. I appreciate it, man. And I, I really do think
1: it is that one area of fantasy football. that's just so often overlooked, and that's why we're, we're preaching this and pounding it over two episodes coming up with a 90 page guide on it because nobody else really covers this stuff and you look at it okay let's say player a right 1212 yards from scrimmage six total touchdowns 43 receptions player b 20 you know 20 93 yards from scrimmage 19 total tds 64 receptions i think it's pretty obvious which one you'd rather have offense a uh, 4203 yards 262 per game last in the league we're talking about a quarterback here total
0: points what's that this this guy must be a quarterback you're talking about this is the offense as a whole oh the offense okay they they, between the running game the
1: receiving game the passing game they accumulated 4,203 total yards pathetic Uh, 262 yards of offense a game only 224 points on the season which amounted to 14 points per game both last in the league. Offense B, however, was 5,784 yards, 361.5 yards a game, which was 10th in the NFL, 478 total points, more than double what they had the year before, 29.87. And that's first. You look at those two things, and it's actually the same exact player, same exact team. I know you know who it is at this I point. I do now
0: that now that you told me it was an offense, which I should have realized. Anyway, but, I mean, even, even though I suspect you're talking about, like, Todd Gurley and you're talking about the Rams yeah. – uh, that is just stunning Even though I know the setup And everything like that That they were 32nd in the league In points per game And then they were first in the league The next insane. year That's just nuts They over doubled their points That's crazy I mean I Big jumps are always crazy Like if you went right. up Like say a touchdown a game In points That's insane But going from like Last to first in a year Right Is crazy And obviously What's the biggest difference The biggest difference is um, That Jeff Fisher Was shown the door And <laughs> you know He was replaced By somebody Substantially more competent Exactly, yeah. I mean, obviously they added some line beef, which was important. They added
1: some wide receiver talent, which was important. But if you gave Jeff Fisher all those guys and then like, kept everything else in place, I don't see Todd Gurley being the fantasy MVP of twenty eighteen or 2017. I don't see the Rams, like you just pointed out, going from last to, to first in scoring in the league just because they added a few different pieces on the offense coaching is so big it's so huge um that's obviously the the most dramatic example of them all but we've seen it time in and time out uh, a smart offensive coach comes in and really just lights a, a talent keg um onto on fire and that's what we're, we're really doing here is trying to identify who might be that mcveigh who might come in and turn Things around. We talked last week how Haley could have a historic turnout with the Browns and all those other four head coaches and what they could be bringing. I mean, now we're, we got four offensive coordinators left. We're not going to get into John Morton with the Jets or uh, Brian Dabble with the, the Bills because no one gives a shit about those I guys. I was just say, and, and
0: thank you for that. <laughs> and thank you.
1: Right. Let's not waste your time. You, Bills, it's LaShawn McCoy, and that's all you need to know about until he gets hurt, and then you don't care about anybody. And then, you know, Jets, a little intriguing if their quarterback situation gets ironed out they have some receiving talent. We're not going to waste your time with that, though. There's a a much more explosive teams out there with some very interesting creative minds going there and I can't wait to dive into them.
0: Uh, I think you also just coined a new glossary term just by accident. This is where your best Stuff comes just randomly. And that, of course, is talent keg, which I believe is a word that you just you just said, are we going to light the talent keg on fire? Uh, Uh, I don't know. I don't don't either. And I assumed (laughs) you were just kind of talking gibberish. And when it came out of your mouth, I was like, I kind of like that. Let's let's (laughs) let's make some Rose Street Journal T-shirts that say light the talent keg on fire. Yeah, Uh, it wouldn't be more like tapping into a keg, like beer pouring out of it. It would be, but but it's not as exciting a visual as just running up to it and just like, you know, with like a blowtorch and just, you know, the talent keg just explodes or melts in front of your face. Anyway, Uh. um, so we're going to we're going to move. We got a couple of stock watches we're going to talk about. We got four guys. We're going to break down the stock watch. Wolf's been Mm. pumping these things out like crazy Um, over summer break. He's actually a lot more productive uh, fantasy-wise, which is saying something, because he's still really productive even when it's not... Uh, even when he ha- is working his real job, I am far less productive because like my whole family is here, which is counterintuitive. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm relying on the wolf, uh, even more than I usually do. But we got some four great stock watches coming up. But before that, we wanted to take a couple of minutes to go over, uh, some great interaction we've been having with some fans <laughs> of the, or maybe not even fans. Fans might be the wrong word. Uh, you know, people that have taken the time to watch our YouTube videos, people that, uh, you know, care about us enough to send us a couple of emails. So we <laughs> wanted to talk about them. First of all, and the first one we're going to get get to, and I think you have this screenshotted on your phone, uh, this was in response to a YouTube clip that came from, it was either this last podcast we did or maybe the one before that. I think it was just episode 22. It, I think It was, it was that. the
1: last one, yeah, because we were talking about our, our Browns running backs. Right, we were talking
0: about Browns running backs, and of course Nick Chubb came up, and... Uh, we, was that it? Was it Nick Chubb that we we're talking about? Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. So Chubb, I, Chubb's your guy. Yeah. So, yeah, he is, our, he is my guy. Anyway, uh, and so I, I had completely forgotten the conversation until this, this comment came up, which is that I said that given all the, uh, You know, the the crowdedness of the backfield and them signing Carlos Hyde and and having Duke Johnson and stuff like that. I said I was not going to be drafting him. I could see maybe trying to get him a a few weeks into the year in a trade once he hadn't done anything or pick him up on waivers. The Wolf was like, well, if you you were in my league, he wouldn't be on waivers because I'd pick him up, which is a fair point. Um, And, you know, to me, that that was the end of the conversation. But it was not the end. Because uh, a loyal listener had a comment for us, really for me specifically, on YouTube. And would you mind reading that for us, Wolf? Of course, from Paul Baker, a uh, good friend of the show. <laughs> good the, guy, of the, show yeah. the guy against
1: Chubb is a total asswipe moron,
0: period. Period. <laughs> so first of all, uh, Paul, if that is your real name— uh, good job with the punctuation i like liked that you didn't just leave it hanging in the end so we were like refreshing <laughs> refreshing to see what what else you thought about me but uh so asswipe moron uh Because I'm I'm total ass right Not not like a partial ass white moron Nope Uh, So anyway (laughs) We got the whole thing here Fair enough uh, That's a fair point Paul And uh, I'll take that (laughs) into consideration When I'm thinking about Chubb for the rest of the year And uh, although it it stings a little bit To have uh, a faceless entity on Facebook uh, Or or on YouTube or the internet or whatever Call me that uh, I do appreciate you checking out our video And uh, I hope we can count on you to be a loyal subscriber To both the YouTube channel and the podcast at love large. um, And I will do my best to uh, rub your face in it when Chubb doesn't do shit uh, in the first half of the year, which is what I said. (laughs) Um, But anyway, seriously, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Wolf, we also got some great emails uh, that I was hoping maybe you could uh, bust out and we could comment on real quick before we get into the stock profiles. Yes of course uh, We've got one from Thomas Edward Patrick uh, His email is craftcheats
1: at nfl.com hmm, Very nice legitimate email we got there <laughs> Message body Subject line Craft illegitimate child Already a great start from Thomas Edward Patrick Message body is there any truth to the rumor going around that the wolf is the father of Kraft's new kid from <laughs> Thomas Edward Patrick?
0: <laughs> so, I mean that, so like you're messing around with like whatever, whoever the model or whatever is that Kraft is. She has a smoke show. I
1: mean, I wish I had that type of, you know, pull that not at this stage, do I have the pull to, to get Kraft's wife involved? But ultimately there is some rumblings that the wolf has some illegitimate ch- children out there. And this might um, be one of them. Yeah, and they're coming to roost these days, whatever that whole expression is, the uh, the hens coming to roost. Uh, I'm answering for my crimes. My cousins have long been speculating that I've got a few little uh, wolves running out there in the world, and this could be one. And I wouldn't be so upset about it. You know, you got the the dad there able to pay and help with the child support with Kraft. He's got everything going for him. I've got a smoke show of a, a baby mama to go with it. Maybe it gets me free reign into the, the Patriots behind the scenes if I can kind of, I don't know, what do you think, do you think Kraft's going to be jealous and kinda hate me forever or am I gonna be welcomed into the the Patriots' arms? I don't know.
0: I think he will will grudgingly welcome you into the fold. I don't Mm -hmm. think it's gonna be outright hostility, but I don't think you're gonna be like his right hand man, at least not not Uh like immediately. I always like it when these really old rich guys that are dating these absolute smoke shows, I like it when they they talk to the woman like about the guy and they'll just talk it, but the woman will always talk about just how much she really likes this like Old, fairly unattractive, like, you know, short. Graf's uh, kind of a stud, though. He, he's a multi-billionaire, which makes him a stud. <laughs> but, like, they'll list all these things they like about him, and the th- they never list, oh, right, and he's a billionaire and I buys me anything that I want. It's always like, right. oh, yeah, no, his personality. It's just fantastic. Like, it has of nothing cool. to do with the money. Like, I'm sure if the guy was, like, working a night shift at Seven I'm sure he could still land all these uh, smoke shows. But anyway, well, respect to him. I just wish people would just come out and say, like, yeah, he's totally rich. Of course I'm dating him. Um, All right. uh, Next email. Next email. Oh, yeah. We got
1: uh, one more. This one from Willie Belichick. Willie Belichick. Hmm. Willie Belichick. I wonder who sent this one from FreeTB12 at Patriots.com. I wonder where we get these guys. Uh, With yet another Patriots player getting caught cheating in regards to Julian Edelman, do you think the Patriots should resign from the NFL? (laughs)
0: <laughs> Matt, what are your thoughts? <laughs> Should they resign? Well, I mean, what would their options be if they resigned? Like, is there a, like they join the CFL or something like that? The XFL? Actually, there's there's a lot of options now. Yeah, I I think I don't know. You're
1: right. What, what would it be? The the whole um, Vince McMahon league coming back, like you that said, right? so. like,
0: or, or they just disband and all just kind of go their separate ways and just be like, you know what? We've run this thing into the ground with all the rampant cheating. Like we really owe the public. <laughs> we, we owe the public to just step down. Think they I, I mean, one, they're never going to step down because of the greatest team that's ever existed
1: uh, 2 They're not that big of cheaters uh, that everybody in the league is cheating. And we're just the ones that happen to have the spotlight on us every time something happens. Um, whereas if the Steelers do anything it, it just as bad, there's some air con. Controversy in football's there. She gets swept under the rung. Uh, you know, this just another non-story, whoever you are, Willie Belichick or wherever funny little guy you are emailing this garbage. The Pats aren't going nowhere. I know you wish they would um, because they're going to dominate as they always have, always will with T- Thomas Edward Brady there. Another Super Bowl coming this year. And then you know they're going to set themselves up for more and more years of dominance. I, I'm just kind of talking to myself now because I, I am terrified for the future without Jimmy Garoppolo, not going to lie. Uh, but we've got a couple more strings of Dominance, no resigning anytime soon, and, and Super Bowl for the Pats this season, easily. What are you going to
0: name uh, that that uh, Kraft child? Well, Wolf, of course. Wolf, <laughs> <Junior>. <laughs> Wolf Jr. If they name that Junior. kid Wolf Jr., like, forget about it.
1: Like, Imagine if Kraft just came out. This and would be, be a name?
0: huge, huge deal. This would really catapult the Rotor Street Journal uh, right where we want to be if he names that kid Wolf Jr., Absolutely Do you think it's actually Kraft's kid? Like whose kid is it? Other other than mine Of course It could be Kraft's kid Why not? Yeah. Men can reproduce. Like, it's disgusting how, how 70, long. 70, oh, no he's... doubt. Absolutely. No doubt. Men, men have done that and much older. It's women have got this finite window, which is kind of as yeah. it should be. I mean, you figure like, I don't think I don't think it's great for like old, old men. I remember uh, Anthony Quinn, that actor. I feel like he had a kid when he was like in his 80s or like 90 or something like that. Really? They, yeah. It's, it's kind of gross, but it can definitely happen. I could totally be his kid. Oh jeez. For your or, I, uh, or, or possibly more likely your kid. Uh, yeah, so likely. anyway, uh, <laughs> Wolf Jr. That's the that's on the big board in Vegas. We'll see if if it when it comes out if all the cards fall correctly into place and uh, we have a little member of the wolf pack with the inside track to the Patriots organization. Uh, That's assuming they don't resign from the NFL. Um, With that said, we're going to take a little break. When we come back, we're going to talk uh, four uh, of the most pressing stock watch guys that have been on the move since the last time we talked uh, right after we get back. And then, of course, we'll finish up our coaching carousel. See you in a few. Are you listening to me? What do you want to do with your life? We are back. Uh, we're going to talk uh, about a couple stockwatch watch uh, fellas because there's been some movement. I mean, you say to yourself, like, it's early July, like, not much is happening. You would be completely wrong about that. So, if you want more from the Stockwatch, go to roadstreetjournal.com. One of the tabs up at the top is Stockwatch, and you're going to see the guys that we go over here and a lot more. So, check it out definitely. Uh, the website is. Solid, it's always changing uh, There's content being added all the time So please check that out, uh, you won't be sorry But with that said, we're going to hit you with a couple of the highlights well, The Wolf's going to hit you with a couple of highlights But I'm going to throw him a couple of fat pitches And see what he can do with these things <laughs> um, Let's talk about this Robert Turbin, household name uh, you might think, oh, man, why, why is this significant at all? It's actually pretty significant. He's looking at a four-game suspension, um, and that is going to clear the way for, one, Marlon Mack and maybe a couple other guys for the Colts. So, Wolf, talk to us about this. Yeah, and you'd think it would be. That's what everybody
1: keeps coming out now. Marlon Mack shooting up draft boards, Robert Turbin gone, Robert, you know, Marlon Mack, Marlon Mack, Marlon Mack. But ultimately... This is still going to be a committee. They've already come out and said this is a committee, even with or without Robert Turbin, the running back coach, noting we're going to play a lot of running backs. You're not going to have a bell cow, so to speak, a guy's going to carry a load. We've got a lot of different styles. I think anytime you have a lot of different styles, you want to try to utilize that. So it's one more mouth out of there, but it's still three-headed nightmare at best. Yeah, Marlon Mack, probably the now best bet for early down work, um, has a chance to emerge and distance himself from the pack. But these comments, again Frank Reich's history don't tell me that he's going to suddenly just emerge and break the the committee trends of Frank Reich's history Um, even you know he's had some serious talented backfields and he loves to still share the work between them all so what that tells me is yes Mac gets a little bit of a bump up but I think people are going to be a little too aggressive with it he's still not a guy I'm running out and targeting Um, I still think Jordan Wilkins the rookie might be involved he's a bit bigger could be involved in the goal line and the the guy that I still love you know secretly most out this backfield I have Mac higher Than this guy Because he is The better bet For the O-down touches But the guy That I still think Has the same Role clarity Still can dominate Is our boy Naeem Hines uh, Best player Pass catching back there We know Andrew Luck when he's healthy Loves targeting the pass catching backs I think this is a team that's going to be in a lot of shootouts We know Frank Reich Back to Danny Woodhead having 90 catch days under him Loves to use those type of gadgets out of the backfield I still think Hines has that role on lock Even if Marlon Mack's a little bit more secure now um, I I think it's still Hines for me Is the guy that I'm really targeting Considering the prices right now I think everyone's going to be a little bit too aggressive On the Marlon Mack upgrades And it's not as big of a deal in my eyes Um, But I do love that they've upgraded the line so much as well, too. I just want to make that note. Quentin Nelson apparently dominating in camp, looking like a professional. So many lines. And upgrades that. I do think this backfield is important. I think it's worth us talking about it, Uh, but still being such a committee, I'm going for the cheapest member and the guy with the
0: clearest role, and that's Naeem Hines in my eyes. Yeah, and I actually agree with you 100% on all this stuff. Uh, And when the Wolf says he kind of secretly likes Naeem Hines the most, uh, by secretly, he means he's been yelling on the internet for the past uh, (laughs) month or two that he likes Naeem Hines the most. Uh, Check out the YouTube clips and so on. Uh, He's been pretty clear about that. So, you know, kind of uh, an open secret there uh, yes. let's move on uh, Deshaun Watson this is one just kind of like a little puff piece for us to feel good about ourselves Deshaun Watson is looking healthy uh, to quote play the same way as before unquote Wolf uh, get me excited real quick about Deshaun Watson oh, I'd love to get you excited about him you know he's our QB1 and for
1: good reason uh, this certainly just helps hammer that home the fact that he's looking a hundred percent I mean I no plans to change his style of play are both huge news because that's what made him a cheat code last year—the running, the extending the plays, the designed runs. All of that was huge. Into you know the fact that he was on pace for 614 rushing yards and five TDs on the ground, in addition to his 3883 pass yards and ridiculous 43 passing touchdowns. Um, you know that just absurd pace that he was on. It, legs a big part of that Getting him moving And out of the pocket were a big part of that So the fact that he's Going to continue that And he isn't going to Have any reservations With the need That the coaching staff Has come out and said We're not going to try To rein him in That's what makes him special That's what made him A cheat code Those things are still in place Which I, I love to know um, Going into the season The talks are that He was throwing rainbows At practice In all areas It's launched <laughs> This is the quote itself Launching a series Of accurate rainbow spirals From a mm. variety of angles I don't even know What that means But what I love a, it What a
0: beautiful what a beautifully crafted sentence that was. Oh, incredible. I wish I was such a wordsmith as this
1: guy. The only real evidence from a torn anterior cruciate ligament was a brace on his right knee. So apparently he's making all the throws. He's moving around fine. All the reports are saying he should be a full go come training camp in a few weeks. And that's just all great news, for, again, for our number one quarterback, that's what makes him a cheat code and I'm happy to know that it's still going to be fully in place
0: Nice. I'm going to give you maybe a minute longer on this next one because I'm cheating here we're only going to do four and I'm combining two of them just because I always think of these guys together uh, when you think of certain players <laughs> they're always connected and you know you always kind of think Joe Montana, Dwight Clark stuff like that um, so obviously Blake Bortles and Alan <laughs> don't call me Erns Hearns <laughs> Uh, Are going to be connected They always will be Ever since their clubbing days In London together Uh, And they both Just kind of randomly Happen to be in the stock watch At the same time So why don't you sell me Real quick on Bortles And then sell me real quick On our boy Alan Hearns Absolutely. So Blake Bortles,
1: year two of Nathaniel Hackett's offense, he's already been coming out and saying, I feel so much better. I'm owning this offense a lot more, um, which is, I really do actually believe in that concept. When you're in year two of a system um, and you don't have to think about learning all the little details, a little footwork is what he could Called it. Um, how am I going to drop back on this right? When that all comes natural and you don't really have to think and you just play, it usually does bring out the best in you. So I actually do buy into that a little bit that he's much more comfortable It's letting him play more freely. And we're seeing uh, Nathaniel Hackett come out and say – we're, we're seeing Bortles come down the field and be a lot more aggressive. Uh, this is allowing us to call more aggressive plays for him because he seems so comfortable. And th- this will probably blow your mind. I didn't realize this till I collected the stats today. The last three years, Bortles has finished as the QB4, the QB9, and QB13 over those three seasons, which blows my mind because he's such like a garbage king that you you never think that Bortles is killing it. But he's been a QB1, you know, at worst a high-end QB2 for three straight seasons. And then he's going largely on undrafted in all those years and I think this is the best line he's had. I know the weapons around him aren't great in terms of receivers but they're all guys that can blow it deep. This guy led the league with 72 passes of 20 plus yards during that QB4 season so he can sling it deep and now that he's comfortable, he's playing loose and they're going to open up the offensive keys to him a little bit more. I'm buying it. You know, He's only going as the QB 25 at pick 190 so you don't even have to draft the guy uh, but he's a guy I'll take in the last round again and just another kind of feather in that weight on a QB cap when you got so many of these guys going after round 12. I've officially decided I will not touch a QB until round 12 and beyond this year unless Deshaun Watson falls like seven or something insane. Uh, And and Bortles is, is shockingly uh, one of the reasons why I think he's got a high floor and goes so late and it's it's only his ceiling is sneakily there uh, unsexy upside pick is what I call him I love that term by the way unsexy upside we'll do an we'll do an episode on unsexy upside in
0: general I think in the near future yeah a guy that like you could just really light the talent keg on fire with um let's talk <laughs> about another guy uh who is not on Bortles team but to me will always be a Jaguar uh let's talk about Alan Earns. Uh, he's clear, always in London watching. The, right, he's, <laughs> yeah. right? He's behind a potted plant, yes. Uh, Alan Hearns, <laughs> the quote, clear-cut number one receiver in widely open Dallas passing game. Before we get into him, just real quick, I wanted to ask, uh, you see Dez Bryant getting a job uh, before I the do, this I, season? I, Nobody maybe, wants Dez.
1: <laughs> it blows my mind. I do think he'll be in the league next year once an injury or two hit in training camp. I, I see him getting a job, but you're right. I mean, it's insane. That we've had to wait this long. Uh, the the Ravens wanted the uh, you know I don't know what he's waiting for. What kind of
0: money he expects? Yeah, he, but- w- well, I think he's if, if he has any sense, he's eating some serious humble pie here. And I think he thought he was worth just a ton more than he was. Probably. I thought yeah. he was. I thought that he was overvaluing himself substantially. I'm surprised. I guess I'm surprised he hasn't gotten a job, which is a combination of I'm surprised someone hasn't been willing to roll the dice and I'm surprised he hasn't been like, okay, you want me to play football for five million dollars? I'll do it. It's still playing football for five million dollars. Uh, I feel anyway. like the Packers or something, you know, like a team like that would come calling at this point. If he's this cheap, like, why not give Aaron Rodgers Well, I mean, guy- how cheap is he? I've never, I haven't heard him say yet, yeah, yeah, I'll take away, way less money. I've That's just heard true, him say, right? like, yeah. I will, I reject, like, the one offer I got or whatever. Anyway, I, dig- I digress. Let's talk about the current Dallas Cowboys. Let's talk about Alan Hearns. What's up? Well, and of course, Des Bryant's a huge
1: part of that story. Over 249 targets. 50% or more of Dallas's 2017 total are up for grabs now with Bryant gone, Jason Witten retired and then you look at Bryce Butler, he only had 23 Ryan Switzer only had like 7 but ultimately that's over 50% of the aerial pie is now vacant over in Dallas and they're they're waiting for somebody to emerge and steal it. I know Dak Prescott's kind of come out and said we don't need a number one guy we're going to spread it out but you still have that guy you no, look you to in to time and time again third downs when it's tricky. It sounds like Alan Earns throughout camp has this is what Dak was saying before camp but it sounds like throughout camp, uh, Alan Earns is becoming that guy for Dak Prescott. Um, he, he's the clear-cut number one receiver in this offense, according to Marcus Mosher on Twitter. And that—that that is important. Again, like I said, all that volume that's up for grabs, I know it's going to be a run-centric game that's going to funnel through Zeke Elliott. Uh, but still, about 100 targets or so is going to go to one of these wide receivers. And then you consider the price, Alan Earns. Hearns, whatever you want to call this guy, uh, is going to be the most expensive right now. 120 overall, though. You're talking the end of the 10th round that you could get the number one receiver in an offense with a pretty exciting quarterback. I know Prescott has his woes and whatnot, but ultimately, who else is he competing with? Michael Gallup is intriguing, yes. Terrence Williams and Cole Beasley, who knows. But it shouldn't Uh, be hard for Hearns to be... You know, exactly. that It's a pile of shit. Her, Hearns has the most talent. He's only two seasons removed. Like we, everyone gives free passes to Allen Robinson for being two seasons removed. Why don't we talk about the fact that Allen Alan Hearns was 64 catches, 1,031 yards, and 10 TDs in that same season that Allen Robinson blew up. I mean, this guy had a monster season just two years ago as well. So we know he's capable of it. He's great in the short to intermediate game. I, I think he really does become that go-to guy in Dallas. And at 120 overall, that's huge penny stock steal value right now for Alan Hearns.
0: Yeah, good call. I actually agree with your assessment of Earns as well, although I don't agree with how you pronounce his name because it's pretty clearly <laughs> Hearns. unless he's in London. You should be calling him Hearns. Uh, all right. Last but not least on our stock watch panel, Tyrod Taylor, a guy that's kind of become a Rotor Street Journal favorite. Like we even even those of us like myself that are not high on him have kind of grudgingly come around and admitted there's some real upside there. Um, so, you know, on our Stockwatch, on the page, on com, if you go to the Stockwatch tab, Tyrod Taylor distancing himself from Baker Mayfield, the Wolf's boy, uh, regaining late-round quarterback one appeal. Break that down for me.
1: Yeah, I think that's Tyrod Taylor is really the epitome of why we call this a stock market. We call this the stock watch because we've seen his value skyrocket when he first landed with the Browns and then they signed Jarvis Landry. And I'm calling him, you know, maybe even above Drew Brees in terms of upside Is how much I love Tyrod Taylor. Then they go and draft Baker Bayfield, the most pro ready guy. His stock plummets. He's going to have a, a short leash. If he makes any mistakes. He's going to get pulled. You can't draft a guy and rely on a guy like that. Well, nowadays, it sounds like the Cleveland Plain Dealer, they're saying number one overall pick, Baker Mayfield, did not look ready to compete with Tyrod Taylor. Uh, That Tyrod Taylor, more so, according to Haley and uh, head coach Hugh Jackson, all these guys that are very important to the team, obviously, are saying he's the clear leader of this team, Tyrod Taylor, is that he's just going in before any other player. He's staying later than any player. He's organizing offseason workouts with all these guys, and they just, everybody's bought in um, in terms of teammates, in terms of coaches. And obviously, you need to have that play remain consistent on the field for them. To stay bought in, but I think Tyrod Taylor does that. I really like him as a quarterback. Got a strong arm. Obviously, the mobility is there. He's a great decision maker. One of the lowest turnover percentages in the league, especially with a clean pocket. He only turned the ball over one percent of the time, um, which was best by Pro Football Focus. So the guy has all the intangibles. He's got a guy in Todd Haley that really knows how to squeeze the most out of his his talent. Um, that really will know how to work with all those aspects, especially the mobility. I'm very intrigued by. And then again, you got Josh Gordon and Jarvis Landry on the outside. Maybe the best wide receiver duo in the league if both their heads are on straight the the talent is there the line is there for protection the run game is going to be there to take pressure off I think the whole setup is absolutely glorious the only reason I didn't like Tyrod Taylor anymore was I thought he might lose that job to Baker Mayfield it sounds like the leash is a lot longer now Uh, so he's got that QB1 set up for at least I'd say until the week 11 bye but at this point if he's this far ahead of Baker Mayfield I imagine they let him play out the whole year Tyrod Taylor going at QB27 196 overall for that type of setup that type of upside it's an absolute no brainer I know I talked about liking Blake Bortles late but if you're getting Tyrod Taylor in that same range you got to go with the upside of Tyrod Taylor instead I think he's the the best like last round pick you can possibly make in fantasy football
0: cuz he'll be a top 10 quarterback for most of the weeks that he plays I agree with you but I will say I expect the market to correct itself as we get closer to draft day I don't think there's any way he's stays- is at quarterback twenty seven surrounded by the pieces he's surrounded by and given his track record and you know how how he can consistently use his legs to create fantasy points stuff like that I'll bet I'll bet he ends up more around the quarterback twenty or even higher range mm-hmm. uh, by the time the draft comes along
1: I, I agree with you too but that's one of those points is like he's so low now that even when the market correction happens it's like. It's never even as high as it should be because he started so low. They could correct itself 30, 40 spots, and I still think Tyrod Taylor would be a great value. I agree. And I don't think we ever really see anybody jump up that much unless there's huge injuries or or any of that stuff. So I do – I agree with you. I think it's going to correct itself, but I think that the Baker Mayfield stench is going to linger and he's going to still be an incredible value, even if you get him in round 15. I mean, this is is some high-end talent with some great surrounding talent.
0: A a QB1 – Masked at a last round price I love it I'm with you All right When we come back We're going to finish up Our coaching carousel Part two We're going to hit four guys That we did not talk about In part one But remember There's a lot more If you go to Roadstreetjournal.com Slash coaches um, And you know The the manifesto is there Anyway We'll be right back After this To talk Coaching carousel Part two (laughs) All right, we are back. I'm pretty excited about this. I really loved the way that part one came out. Uh, it was well-received by the public. We got some decent downloads, and uh, you know, people are checking out the coaching carousel. I don't even know what to call it. I'm calling it the manifesto. I'm calling it the phone book. I'm calling it the declassified Kennedy assassination documents. Uh, but what it is is it's just 100 pages of info that the Wolf has meticulously thrown together uh, in his spare time. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, you got to check it out. It's there. It's available if you want it. Uh, If you pass up on it, you do so at your own peril. That's all I'm saying. What do you want us to call this thing? What do you want me to call it in the future? The coaching carousel, the the 2018 coaching carousel, the most
1: comprehensive guide to 2018's new offenses. That's what Mm -hmm. I call it. That's
0: fantastic. (laughs) That's way better than what I've been doing, which is just kind of like pausing before I refer to it and then just talking about how big it is. Yeah. All right. uh, Fair enough. Uh, what he said. All right, let's talk about it. number one. Uh, and we've already had some uh, disagreement about how to pronounce this guy's name. But John DeFilippo, John mm-hmm. De, DeFilippo, John DeFilippo, whatever you want to call him. He's, he's working in Minnesota right now. His scheme, his philosophy, the move all over West Coast offense. I love that. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk about it absolutely so he
1: quote says I find myself being flexible with the guys that we have he's one of those guys again talks about building around his player strengths any coach will say that uh, but this guy really does it. I spend a lot of time on really getting to know what our players do well so we can put them in the best position to succeed we'll never try to ask our players to do something they can't do well that's number one we saw that with Nick Foles when they kind of switched the offense to his strengths in the postseason as compared to what Carson Wentz brought to the table and the regular year and both players still dominated so we've seen that happen he loves moving people all over the place the things we could keep with us the same formations but when we call the run game the same we're going to move people all over the place um, he learned it from Andy Reid comes from that system but he talks about creating the the explosive pass gains the explosive run gains moving players all over the formation to different spots um, to put him in mismatches and this guy's a red zone maestro that's what I think he brings to the table most he knows how to teach his players how to use their size to their advantage we saw it with Jordan K. we've seen it with you know Gary Barnage Zach Ertz in his tight end position we've seen it with wide receivers he loves to help them use that Big frame How to use that To pinpoint the ball At its highest point Um, That's where he really uh, Dominates Is in the red zone 10 seconds Uh, We saw it with Foles We saw it with Wentz And how many passing touchdowns They were dominating with Uh, So this guy Just all around
0: Creates mismatches Moves his guys around um, And peppers them with yards After the catch opportunities Well done, good job uh, scrambling to finish that up in close to a minute That was well done The player, of course, in question that is going to be affected And I like this, you threw us a little curveball here Yeah, Yeah, Kirk Cousins is the obvious choice Uh, And so because you're not a guy that's going to take low-hanging fruit like that um, You decide you're going to reject that And you're going to talk about Kyle Rudolph instead Which is a great choice, go ahead yeah, absolutely. Because Kirk Cousins is so obvious, I think he could
1: approach five thousand and thirty TDs in this offense with the chemistry. So let's take that one out and go with Kyle Rudolph. I think you look at his usage. I just mentioned Gary Barnage You got Zach Ertz, these tight ends that have dominated under DiFilippo because this guy loves to preach using big bodies. I just talked about, must um, to move his guys around, move them in the slot, toss them out wide, do jump balls in the red zone. That's what he loves to do. And then you got Cousins' past affinity for Jordan Reed and Vernus Davis inside the twenty. Those those two things mesh perfectly with how DeFillippo will use him, how Cousins likes to target those big bodies in the red zone. I see a monster touchdown season coming from Rudolph, who's at 6'6", 259 pounds, an absolute mammoth. Very real shot at 10 TDs, 800 to 1,000 yards, and at a position where there's just so much uncertainty. you got to go with a top-six fantasy tight end if you can. Lock down some security. I think Rudolph at a mid-six-round price where he's going is incredibly uh, reasonable at this point. Love Kyle Rudolph and the upside he brings under a guy that will really use that
0: 6'6 six, six frame to its absolute fullest I gotta say when I've Had occasion to get Kyle Rudolph in a draft Late or off waivers Because I'm streaming somebody uh, You know because one of my guys is on by I'm almost never disappointed with the output This guy puts out. he's, he's solid he's really Solid and you know it seems like This year might be uh, you know maybe Even kind of a breakout year for him even though it seems Like he's been around forever he uh, has been. And, I mean, Pat Shermer did some great
1: work with him the last couple of years, especially two years ago when they didn't have any other weapons. Uh, but what really intrigues me is I think this offense as a whole just explodes. And then when you talk about the touchdowns, you know, maybe Rudolph isn't the, the number one, two, or three in terms of targets. you got those two beastly receivers and Dalvin Cook there. But the touchdowns, he's going to they're going to be in the red zone so often that I really see him scoring 10 to 12 uh, at, at minimum.
0: I think if he stays healthy, that's not crazy at all. I think I'd probably go more in the – Eight to ten instead of ten to twelve, splitting hairs. That's still a really good season for a tight end that's not named Gronk or uh, Travis Kelsey or mm-hmm. whatever. I, I think the guy is a really solid play, and I think you could get him on the cheap, especially if you're in a league where guys are a little slow to jump for tight ends. I've seen him fall into like nine and ten even. Which yeah, is well, cool. you got to grab him if you get a chance there. You got to. Maybe, yeah. I mean, he's he's gonna have value later on anyway. Even if you already have a tight end, if you can grab this guy in the tenth round, that uh, you'd be nuts to pass on him in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, Let's talk number two, Norv Turner, Carolina, scheme and philosophy. This is the Air Coriel, which we're going to have explained to us in short order, because probably a lot of you don't know what that means. Mm -hmm. Um, It is simple, yet relentless. I love the sound of that. Uh, Talk to (laughs) us about the Air Coriel. Talk to us about what Norv Turner's bringing to the table in Carolina this year. Yeah, coined after the infamous
1: Don Coryell's relentless vertical attack. It's predicated on stretching the defense to its limits in the passing game, and then you soften up the front seven with a, a play-action bruising power run game uh, where you just pound the rock, and then it opens up the screen game underneath, too, so it's really all about going deep and then pounding the rock up front to soften up the defense. He loves his big, tall receivers. We saw Michael Irvin, Vincent Jackson, Josh Gordon all over 6'2", 6'3", feast in this offensive system, uh, but like I mentioned, loves to have a power running game as well, especially if it's a versatile workhorse um, that can both pound the gut, um, but also rip off screens and finesse routes as well. This is this uh, scheme that Ron uh, Chudzinski came up with and said, you run the football, you're physical as a running team, but then you take your shots with hard play action. It's okay to throw the ball downfield and see how things unfold. It's kind of just a simple, air it out, one-on-one, what happens. Let's go for the big play. That's the essence of the Don uh, Carriel Chunks in the run game, run, chunks in the screen
0: game, and then blow the top off the defense there you go air coriel for those of you that were uninitiated you've been initiated now uh, the player that's going to be affected this one might be kind of obvious too but i think it's really really worth going into this because this is a guy that just a couple years ago was considered the number one quarterback in fantasy and i mean possibly mm. we're looking at a real renaissance here the wolf and i actually took him as our quarterback in a high stakes league and thought we were getting an absolute steal uh boy were we wrong but yes that was a couple years ago so uh let's talk about cam newton
1: yeah, he's got the cannon arm, the ability to buy time in the pocket. Two perfect things fit North Turner's system like a glove, being able to rope it down the field and let your receivers get open downfield uh, by giving them extra time. Love all that, but what I actually love about North Turner, a lot of the quotes I've been reading is he really simplifies the game. He doesn't make you think too hard. It doesn't make you call a million different audibles. He just kind of lets you go out and ball, and there's nobody that's more dangerous when they're having fun and just going out and balling than Cam Newton, especially when it's an offense that plays, again, to that arm Cam. And strength. He's got a bunch of deep weapons surrounding him now. With DJ Moore drafted, uh, you got Greg Olson being able to streak down the sidelines. And then obviously you got Christian McCaffrey in the screen game. He's got tons of weapons around him. He's got an offense where he's not going to have to think. He's just going to be able to play. And they've already said we're not going to, you know, rein him in. He's he's going to be able to run. He's a mobile guy. That's what makes him special. And we're not going to just stop him. He's going to play the way he plays. That's what makes him dynamic. Is what his offensive coaches say. So you got a guy that's going to let him run. You got a
0: guy that's let him sling the raw. And you're going to make the offense as simple as possible All great news for Cam Newton Where do you like Cam right now this season Like where, where would you draft him I know obviously a lot can change in the next month Month and a half uh, Right now where, where is he on your quarterback board that, that's what is tricky Is one Turner's offense Has not been dynamic For five
1: straight seasons It's been horrible uh, He's had nobody To work with So I expect that To be more of the, a Lack of talent Especially when he's Getting guys that fit What he likes to do To a glove But there's some Risk there That just Turner's Washed up and old And a retread holler So I you know, I like Kirk Cousins a little bit better. We talked about DeFilippo. I'm a big believer in DeFilippo and, and Kirk Cousins. So I like him a little bit more. I have Breeze higher. And then I think I have Cam Newton kind of sliding and right at that QB7 spot with, of course, it's Cam Newton, the upside to be the number one scorer at the position, especially if he fits the system as well as I think he could. Uh, so... He goes in that round like 7, 8 range, and if I was going to take a QB that early, I know I just talked about how I don't take quarterbacks till round 12, so I won't be. Uh, but if I was inclined to take a quarterback, I think Cam Newton makes a lot of sense in those middle rounds as a guy that could be a fantasy MVP come the
0: end of the, the season. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Uh, coaching carousel number three Mike McCoy in Arizona his scheme his philosophy constantly changing I think that actually sums it up pretty well Um, Uh and you might have the pieces where that could be strangely effective actually just a constantly changing uh, look talk to us about Mike McCoy And again, like DeFilippo, like we got our guy Todd Haley. A lot of coaches say this,
1: but like those two as well. I really think McCoy lives it. You talk about his time in Denver. His his quote was, everything's about the players. Everything we do is meant to give them the best opportunity to succeed. But you never know that until you work with them. Um, So he's finally getting out there and getting to work with them and starting to craft his offense around their strengths. But if you didn't believe that he actually does that, you got to look at McCoy and his Denver uh, tenure. Peyton Manning leading the league in passing the second pass heaviest attack in the league that year. Came a year after Tim Tebow was the run-heaviest league attack in the league, and then a balance attack under Kyle Orton. So the guy really switched it up depending on who his quarterback was, what he had around him. Um, to, and all the offenses did score their points and were effective. Obviously, last year in Denver, complete disaster, but his overall track record has been very solid. His offenses have always put up points, seconds. especially considering the talent they have. And Steve Wilkes comes in, wants a run-heavy attack as a defensive-minded guy. He's got the running back to help execute that. I expect to pound it heavy with David Johnson
0: pepper Larry Fitz and uh, we're gonna talk about Larry Fitz in a second so I'll save that and yeah the player being affected the most and there are a couple to choose from uh we're gonna talk about Larry Fitz maybe after that uh minutes up maybe we'll chat about one or two of the other guys just kind of in passing before we go to our last guy the player that you have pegged that is going to be affected the most dramatically by this is Larry Fitzgerald who is God, feels like he's in his 29th year in the league um <laughs> talk to us about Larry Fitzgerald Absolutely. I think this offense kind of most parallels those
1: Peyton Manning attacks, not on that level by any means. I'm not going to say Sam Bradford's Peyton Manning, but at this stage of his career, I think it's kind of similar. Neither have the the most arm strength, but they're very accurate guys that thrive at hitting their receivers in stride. That's what McCoy's offense is really thriving. You think about those bubble screens to Demarius Thomas, uh, those slants where he just would rip up yak after yak. Uh, That's what Larry Fitz is going to be called upon this year to do out of the slot, and he's going to dominate. it. He's always been so good on those sacks. Savvy, you know, route running, using his body to kind of get away from guys and shield them. He's always had good tackle, breaking power, uh, great open field vision once he has the ball. So in this system that's predicated on short routes and yak, that fits Fitzgerald's uh, skill set to a glove. Very reliable, obviously. The surest hands in the league. Plus, he's good at using his body in the red zone. He's a 6'3 guy with great body control. Stays in shape as good as any of them. I really think he could be in line for another 90 to 100 catches, 1,200-ish so yards. Again, like I said, Bradford and Rosen ride even if it's not Bradford if it's Rosen at hitting their receivers in stride that's what this offense is all about Fitzgerald could dominate
0: yeah I mean he could get 90 or 100 catches again as crazy as that is when, how, how many years ago was it that we had come that I'm not even saying us specifically but that he was completely written off I mean I feel like he started being completely written off like what four years ago <laughs> something like that Right, well there was a stretch It was three years ago So when Bruce Arians came He moved
1: him to the slot And that's when Fitzgerald Kind of had a renaissance And started I think he has three straight years Of 90 to 100 catches And 1,000 yards now Before that though He had three years Of kind of mediocre horseshit um, At best So, you know that I think it was after Three straight years People were like Alright, age is finally caught up Even if he keeps good care of himself Fitz has kind of hit that wall And then he experienced That rebirth under Bruce Arians And now people kind of Let that old age those bad three seasons Or I don't know what it is that, that lingers It's not sexy We talk about unsexy upside Here's another guy He's that'll not be featured in That episode Nothing sexy about Larry Fitzgerald But when you get 90 catches And 1,000 yards At the end of the year You're going to be Very, very happy with it
0: Yeah, you'll start to see The sex appeal um, You know, a guy And this is mildly related to this Maybe even majorly related to this Just the more and more I kind of let things digest this year uh, In the off season, The more I just love David Johnson Yeah, and I was not always like a huge, huge David Johnson guy, but just the more I saw him play, and the more I, I feel like people are sleeping on him a little bit. And I know he's still an extremely high overall pick, but I think mm. possibly he's not even getting the respect he deserves. Very um, real threat to be the number one scorer in the yeah, league. You know, I mean, I kind Bones. of, I'm kind of like, yeah, maybe he's going to be the guy. Le'Veon Bell, <laughs> David Johnson. I don't know. I mean, he's he's awesome, and don't I, sleep on him, folks. That's
1: why I really like having a top five pick because I mean, you're getting. Gurley, Bell, whichever one of the three, J David Johnson or Zeke, if you've won any of those four, or you're getting A B at a thin wide receiver position this year. I really love the top five picks. I think it's fantastic
0: to to get one of those. It's a huge advantage. If you had uh, if if you had the sixth pick, would you pick DeAndre Hopkins or would you pick one of those other uh, RBs before you snagged him? Saquon Barkley, baby. You, you would take that? you would take Barkley over DeAndre? Like DeAndre's without without hesitation?
1: Yeah, you DeAndre's really think my about 7 mm. Kamara's my 8 And then that's when it gets really Man, tricky Man, I'd have like to really eight. think
0: hard about that I'd yeah. I really think I can that. see.
1: I mean, you can definitely justify Hopkins I mean, over Barkley. It's definitely safer. You know what you're going to get with Hopkins. I just think Barkley could be like David Johnson, like Zeke, like these guys that we're talking about. I see him having exactly like that type of season um, and just
0: being like that for the next 10 years. So. I Man, You say like upside and I know we're, we're just talking about uh, Larry Fitzgerald, uh, you know, and now we're arguing about DeAndre Hopkins versus um Saquon Barkley which is just a uh-huh. se- seamless transition but yep. uh DeAndre Hopkins let's just you're imagining oh Saquon Barkley could be like you know David Johnson was uh, you know two years ago or whatever can you imagine if DeAndre Hopkins has Deshaun Watson healthy throwing to him for a year I mean, 16 the, touchdown pace last year I mean, to me to me the upside of that is possibly even greater than what you're I mean, just the the receptions. I don't know. We'll see. And Uh, the be is higher. Six, seven would be a very tough decision for me. Those
1: are very tough guys to sort through. I think most people would go Hopkins, especially in PPR leagues. I'm just so high on Barkley. I think the reason they are linked, too, you're like, how does these two things link? If -hmm. I take a guy like Barkley in round one, a lot less certain than a guy like Hopkins, that's when I'll probably look for a Larry Fitz in round four. Whereas if I have a Hopkins, that kind of gives me the flexibility to say, hey, maybe I go after Juju, a little bit less proven of a guy, Um, all about about balancing those things out so they actually are kind of linked in that sense like if you take a barkley then Fitz is the perfect round four guy because you know what you're getting um again hopkins gives you the flexibility to chase a little bit more upside there
0: in round four so it okay. is interesting balance your portfolio people balance right. it up last but not least coaching carousel matt lafleur in tennessee his scheme and philosophy merging the run in the past games uh, i prefer the term exotic Smash Mouth, but we're gonna settle for this for right now. Oh, uh, that was Mike Mularkey, Exotic I, Smash. I know, smash. but I mean, like, let's let's not change things. I mean, I, <laughs> it was a great term that he coined, and I would like to keep it attached to this team if possible. But merging uh, the run and pass games, I love it. Uh, talk to us about that. Yeah, so
1: when asked to describe the offense, LaFleur says, first of all, it all starts with our run game having plays that play off our run game. I think we're going to have a strong marriage between the run and pass game so that defenses, well, look, here comes another run. Oh, it's a play action and whatnot. Uh, so those two things really get married. We saw what happened with the Rams, where he came from last year. Um, and, and actually, just a little fun fact about LaFleur, last two coaches, only two coaches he's ever been under, Kyle Shanahan and then Sean McVay. So, I mean, maybe the two brightest minds in the NFL that he's learned from. I um, mean, they both... Our our love play action and screens And that's what he kind of means with this marriage Is you pound the rock, you establish that game And then suddenly you're doing a screen off of a play action pass And the defense has no idea what's coming at them It just sets them up Um, And then the other staple of all three of their offenses Is being aggressive He says LaFleur, it's extremely difficult to dink and dunk All the way down the field Defenses are just too good Statistically the teams are getting more chunk plays The explosives teams Those are the ones that are going to produce the yards and the points So expect a heavy dosage of screens play action
0: passing and downfield throws this team is very well set up to do all three of those things all right fair enough uh, man i don't know what to think about tennessee i really yeah. don't i really don't I'm, I'm scared to touch too many tennessee players but man if i were gonna jump in on one of them or two of them uh here's a couple guys these are the guys affected the most derrick henry roto street journal favorite is really an understatement. And Dion Lewis, who might just be uh, throwing a monkey wrench into the whole works and uh, causing us to be upset and just depressed in general for yet another year. Wolf, Derrick Henry, Dion Lewis, go.
1: So again, obviously, when one player could get all this amazing volume coming at him, would be incredible. We saw what it did for Todd Gurley, the fantasy MVP last year. Uh, But I think the committee stench here is getting a little bit overblown and going to actually make these guys great values. It's almost like a Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram light situation where it's a committee that can actually work. I believe that this is what that's going to be. Again, the the marriage of the run and pass games. You need to establish a backfield presence first to actually have this offense work. so it's going to start in the run game, as LaFleur says, having plays that play off of our run game. So they're going to make sure they get tons of volume here. I see about 2,300 to 2,600 total yards of offense, 15 to 25 total TDs being up for grabs just out of the backfield. We've seen that in Atlanta the last couple of years. We shot Todd Gurley do it by himself last year. So I think, again, that's a ton of volume to be divided up. So I think both of these guys approach 1,200 or so total yards. Maybe Henry gets about 10 wow. to, to 12 TDs, whereas Lewis is more of the reception guy. It's about 60-plus receptions. Both of those are, you know, solid workhorse S numbers at a committee type of price because that's what they're stuck in. I think this is
0: a committee that actually works. I, I love it. I think it might, might, might be a committee that actually works too. I would tend to go a little higher on Henry and a little lower on Lewis. That's just kind of my gut feeling. But you never know uh, with a quarterback like Mariota. I mean, he the, the checkdowns, the receptions might really add up for somebody like Lewis. But, man, mm-hmm. I, I love Henry as a runner. I mean, we we've, absolutely we've been so all in on that for such a long time. I I, was I just so lo- I'd i love to see it happen. And there was, there was course, like a week he, or a couple of days the ago. Uh,
1: like obviously, a- obviously, I wish he was alone and getting the girly treatment. And then we had him at what, 10 overall when that was looking. To oh, be man, the there sleeping. was a
0: real period. There was a brief period of time, Ugh. a brief period of time.
1: I, like, woke up. I, I might have even called out that morning and, like, wrote an article because I was just so excited. I was, ah. Oh. And, and then it was robbed of us. But I think after that that initial disappointment, is it's tough to move past. But if you can, you'll notice that there's suddenly good value here in Tennessee um, for both types of leagues. Standard, obviously, Henry, the higher touchdown upside. PPR, I think Lewis brings a little bit more appeal with the 60 to – I think Lewis could really lead this team in receptions. I really think he could this year. Um, yeah, I
0: don't think that's crazy.
1: And and there's some fun facts too. If you check out uh, rotostreetjournal.com slash coaches for the whole guide or if you just want any of these individual ones, I, I should have prefaced this at the beginning, you can just type in rotostreetjournal.com slash matt Laflore and it will bring you right to the Tennessee Titans preview. So any of these, rotostreetjournal.com slash Norv-Turner will bring you right to his. So if you want to just see a specific coach in more detail, I definitely recommend seeing all of them. Uh, Lafleur in particular, I know we talked about the run game, but there's some very, Very interesting stats about why this offense could really play into Mariota's strengths um, and make again we keep talking about all these late-round quarterbacks the QB 17 ranked right now I mean there's just this episode alone could be a a preview to why you need to wait on quarterbacks between the stock watch and these systems Um, but tons of great stats on that and the play action pass game and all that stuff that you really should go check out Uh, rotoshootjournal.com slash
0: Matt Dash LaFleur if you want that one all right guys we're gonna come back and wrap things up right after this That's going to do it for lucky episode number 23. Um, Any social media, anything like that you want to share with the folks? Wolf, I know the answer to that question is yes, but I'm I'm asking anyway on the off chance one of these days you're just going to be like, no.
1: Nah, I'm good. I got to get to my basement and not melt in my – it's awful. I'm still dying in here. But I will definitely tell you where you got to check out first, ffbdpod.com for our podcast homepage. If you want to check out any specific episode, just put slash in that episode number. So for this one, ffbdpod.com slash 23. Check out those show notes, the bonus content that comes with it. Rotostreetjournal.com is our home base. Tons of stuff in this summer streetjournalcom coaches that we've been talking about this whole time, almost a hundred pages of stuff on there. I would love for you guys to check that out. Give me your feedback. Obviously I put a ton of time into it, uh, but more than that, it's just, I think very valuable stuff that will give you that edge and make you a Roto street journal member for life. Um, I think it's huge. And then obviously if you like me personally and you want to follow me, or if you hate me and you want to tell me how much you hate me, whatever it is, Roto Street Wolf at Twitter, um, at Snapchat. Find me on either one of them. And we're soon going to be debuting our text uh, text support feature where we can text you live answers and questions to your questions and all that. So be on the lookout for that. But if you need some direct support before then, hit me up on the Twitter and Snapchat. I love questions. I love interacting and bantering about fantasy football. It's my favorite thing. Um, and, yeah, that should be it. It really is his favorite thing. He's not just saying that. I can't help it. It's my addiction. It truly is. He means it. I'm trying to make it something productive by building this site. That's really just an excuse for having this awful addiction that I love to death.
0: Yeah, and I'm glad you do. It's propelling us to greatness. So keep it it up. Uh, Tweet this guy. Facebook. Direct message him. Uh, Call him. On his home phone. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I look it me. up in the phone book. Right, seriously. Look it up in the phone book. I'm sure it's there. in <laughs> the yellow pages under Wolf. Uh, or, um, or Wolf Jr. Um, anyway, my name is Nat the Truth Jones. Did you hear that crying in the distance? I there did. You. I hear sirens also. <laughs> uh, and I'm the Wolf. See you guys. Right happy Fourth. Yeah, happy Fourth. We used to have it all. But now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. oh. oh, oh, oh wave out to football right there, folks.